0: Data is all around us, facts and figures that play an increasingly important role in our personal and professional lives. How we collect, understand, and interpret data can have a major impact on how we do business and our ability to maintain the competitive edge. Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lawrence-Krupp, and today we're going to learn how to unleash the power of data to make informed decisions, optimize performance, and drive change across the organization please welcome to the show Tara Jones and Brendan Klein, Operations Research Analyst with the NAVAIR Analytics Accelerator team. Thank you both for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks Thanks. for having us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Being data-driven and measuring what's important to the customer is one of NAVAIR's behaviors for a winning culture. Brendan, why is understanding and trusting the data so important to solving problems and improving performance?
1: This is a layered question that, you really have to break it down into what is data, like what do we think of when we talk about data, and then why do we use it at all? And analytics as a practice is all about decision-making. It's all about understanding what are the things you need to decide on, all right? So if we talk about decisions, then it's what information and what awareness do I have to make that decision? And that's where data comes into play. So it increases and improves, your awareness of the situation that you're making the decision in, and then gives you insight into factors that may help you make a better decision. So right off the bat, you need to understand what are your customers' requirements and then do you have the awareness and the information you need to drive that. If you don't have quality data, if you don't have holistic data that gives you insight into not just what you know, but to help you understand what you don't know so that you could deliver a better solution, then you don't have the ability to make a very sound decision. So again, interlinked between understanding the decision to be made, what pieces you're missing to really understand that decision. And then finally, if your data is quality, then you understand you can actually go forth and make that decision. So again, intrinsically linked together.
2: I'll just add to that. um, Just one of the thoughts that I have is about a risk balance, right? So if you can't trust your data, what is the risk that you're going to go out and make a decision? So if you have that, like Brendan mentioned, quality data, you're at a lower risk for making a bad decision. And so, of course, we don't want to make bad decisions. So the better the quality of data and the more people that can trust it, then the outcome they'll also trust and be behind as well.
1: Yeah. And just to build on that, I think there's another layer to that where you talk about who all is involved in the decision-making process that looks at the data. So making sure that when we talk about trusting and understanding data, it's the various parties that come together to make these decisions that they understand what not only what the data is, what it potentially says, but then how others are viewing it. So there's a there's a human component to this as well that in data analytics that involves making sure you're all looking at the same sheet of music, you know, operating from the same page. So, again, a lot of layers of complexity there.
0: So as I mentioned in the open, you're both part of the Navair Analytics Accelerator team. Tell me about the team and Tara, what is your purpose or how would you describe your role at NAVAIR?
2: Yeah, so we have a very unique role in that we are from headquarters, although we get to support all facets of the command. So we get to work across all the lines of business, horizontal, all functional areas. It doesn't matter where you're coming from, what level of the organization with whom you belong. It doesn't matter. All of us, we are here to help you succeed. So what our small team is, we're kind of like a consulting-like service in that we go out, we can develop your dashboards for you, we can teach you and train you on how to use the certain tools that we have available to us as an enterprise. Or we can go out and teach both, teach you as you develop your dashboard, how to make it better, how to tell the story a little bit differently, or how to actually do the expression writing. We don't have one specific goal. We are here to help people succeed. So that's where I would say we have a very unique purpose.
0: So, Brendan, as you're working with these teams, how do you incentivize them to dive into the data and adopt these new tools?
2: It really depends
1: on what that customer's priority is in terms of their mission scope. If it's making the fast decision, it's making the best decision, whatever that is, I think that's where you start. And then you go, okay, based on that, we have a series of tools that you can use that offer these capabilities. But then I think it's just as important to incentivize through listening and asking, what do you not have that you need? Because we may have a suite of tools that provides you with 50% of your requirement. But if that extra 50% is going to mean the difference in a couple extra flight hours or mission scope that team's focusing on, that's a huge win.
2: I'll add to that also, as Brenda was talking about, freeing up the time to do things differently. We often have the misconception that tools are going to replace people. The tools are here to enable you. The tools are here to enable that faster and optimization to getting to be able to look at the data and then actually explore the analytic. So I can't tell you how many times over and over again have I adjusted a PowerPoint slide 10 years ago And I went back and did the same thing over and over again because the question was asked a little bit differently. Well, now in the digital sense, you can do that quickly, just drilling through the data with the tools that we have available. So now we're optimizing it. We're not replacing. We're optimizing the way that people can actually do work. And then they can spend more time actually doing the analytics, not the mechanic of updating PowerPoint. So it's really about that time savings, but also enabling you to make better decisions if that's what your outcome is.
0: Let's talk data transparency why is it important that we use data to understand the good and the bad? How does data help us embrace the red? Brendan, what do we learn by acknowledging areas that need improvement?
1: That's a fantastic question. When you think about CNO's mantra, get real, get better, everybody focuses on the get better part, but before you do that, you have to get real. And when we talk about red and green on a dashboard, good and bad, or or really even in general, you have to be willing to acknowledge that there are areas where you can improve to actually then get better. And data transparency plays into that because you can make data say anything you want to. And so if there's a very specific question you're trying to answer it, you can always frame it in a way that makes it look good, like a positive, without acknowledging the extra context around that situation that represents risk or represents danger. And I think that's something that needs to be holistically kind of processed. So when you say data transparency, it's okay, you know, we're doing great things here and we deserve a pat on the back for that, but we're noticing some kind of troubling trends. Maybe they're not really problems, but by ignoring them, we guarantee they become problems. Whereas by acknowledging them and potentially coming up with some new solution to them, you could actually make even more gains as opposed to just mitigating a problem in the short term. So again, data transparency is all about being real, acknowledging the full spectrum of the situation so that you can act on it and ultimately get better.
2: I'll add to that too, Brendan. I think one of the key components is we often go into a data problem or data um, analytic wanting to know with the outcome of very specific things we already have our own hypothesis I want to go after and find out is the data telling me this to support my hypothesis versus letting the data tell us hey you actually might have something else you're completely missing so again to your point of embracing that red to make sure that you can understand there could be something else you're completely missing because you're targeting the data with your current thought process versus letting the data tell you back what there might be
1: Yeah, and I I think that gets into the much larger idea of what, you know, how do you work through an analytic process? Because you do have to have a question that you start with that I think points you in the direction because otherwise big data can overwhelm you. So you have to have some guiding question that points you there. But then to your point, Tara, you also have to be willing to be flexible and not just go towards an answer that you're predisposed to wanting, but accept that there may be kind of differentiations in the data that says, Maybe you need to look at it this way, and maybe this tells you you're not even looking at the right question. But you do need a starting point to launch from and then kind of the flexibility to go from there.
0: I've heard both of you mention keywords like measuring trends and looking at outcomes. Tara, how can we use data to measure performance?
2: So one of the things that I say we don't often do well is measure a target and have a target in mind. If you look at a dashboard or a visualization and it's lacking that target line that says, hey, we were supposed to hit this many deliveries this year. We didn't know what that target line was because no one ever told us or we didn't actually make it visible on the chart. So when you're looking at a visualization, if you don't have those measures of good and bad, it's strictly a visualization and it's left for the interpretation of everyone just saying, hey, Okay, it looks like we're fine, maybe. If we're not able to even know what that goal is, we're just constantly describing what the current status is. So giving ourselves goals, something to measure against, I think is really something we should start focusing on because we do a lot of that descriptive analytic today. But how is that actually going to measure us in our performance to get better?
0: With so much data available today, it seems the faster you can process it, the better. Brendan, how do you keep people from being overwhelmed?
1: Yeah, I think that goes quite well with what Tara just said about how do you measure performance? Because you've got different priorities that you need to keep track of that track if you're doing a good job or not and so in analytics there can be a tendency for consumers to want all of that data in one place i want to be able to drill down from the highest level metric down to transactions in a database on minute by minute second by second no human on earth can process all of that information in one sitting you've got to be able to break it down into consumable chunks that are very much focused on the decision or the action that you want to take so again full circle We're coming back to the decision or the action that you want to take. And so that's why in analytics, we focus a lot on stakeholder engagement, understanding what are your needs? What are you trying to figure out? And then curating the data in a way that answers that question, provides some extra insight that maybe you didn't anticipate finding, and then potentially laying out some recommendations on both actions and then other data that might be helpful. We have all this data that could tell us everything in the world, let's narrow it down to a specific problem, specific question, and then iterate from there so that we can, you know, data, action, data, action, on and on and so forth.
0: So I think that brings up another very important point. As you sort through data, how do you know if your data is good or if it's quality? How do you know you can trust it?
1: You know, we talk about this all the time, and even if you think your data might not be in good shape, even when it is cleaned, If it's cleaned thousands of different ways by multiple different departments, then it can create confusion when you get to a level that tries to view it all as interlinked. So you have to understand where that data comes together to be more viewable at a higher level and then put governing guidelines around that and agreed upon guidelines. So they're collaborative where it's not just one person making an edict. There's a reason why we calculate it this way. And there's a reason why this team does. So let's talk about which makes the most sense. And then that creates both a level of trust from leadership, knowing that they're getting one metric, but it also creates trust amongst teams that they are thinking about things in similar ways and have that ability to give and take between one another.
2: You want the people who are actually entering the data to understand that their metrics are important and are being used, and therefore they want to enter it with minimal errors so that we can make sure that as we continue to grow and that data is captured year over year and you're setting trends and things, that you as, an, as a transactional analyst are entering it with the best of your ability. We want people to be able to measure themselves, continue to get better, and make sure that they're making the right decisions based off of quality data.
1: You know, we have systems where the data gets generated automatically but when we talk about the technician who's sitting in front of a computer inputting data they have to understand as well that what they're doing has a direct impact all the way down the decision-making pipeline to eventually impact something in the fleet so that's a critical component to data quality and trust is i know that what i'm doing inputting data it makes a critical difference up the chain when you're trying to make a decision that could ultimately lead to, you know, pilot safety, uh, aircraft availability, and technology is changing so rapidly that our ability to adapt is so reliant on everybody entering and abiding by data standards and data best practices so that if we need to make a pivot, you know, you can pass it both up and down the chain.
2: Yeah, Brendan, absolutely. And I look at it as almost like a feedback loop, right? So if there's something that's being made at the decision level, that's not actually being entered in a transactional value at that current time, we should be doing a gap analysis and figuring out what is it that we're missing? We don't need a whole nother system to go and capture that data. Perhaps if it were one or two elements that we could go back to the current systems we have and just add to them, tailor them or tweak them in some small fashion. But I feel like a lot of times we reevaluate that of like we need a whole new data system to collect all this data when in fact you have majority of of it. You just need to take that step back and figure out that it's just a small gap in what you're trying to actually do. So again, that full continual feedback loop of decision-making back to the transactional level and then forward again.
1: Yeah. And there's there's something else that you mentioned there that I think is really important to point out, which is if you look throughout the Navy's history and even DOD's history, our best has been achieved when we accept that perfection is not going to happen and we just have to get the job done somehow. And I think that with data quality, there's that blurred line at that, that very thin line that exists between what's good enough to make a trustworthy decision that I feel confident in making and if I spend all of my time trying to clean this data to absolute perfection the time to make the right decision has already passed and we've lost it so we've lost the advantage and so that's one of those challenges that really requires true organizational connection to the issue. Because if you spend all your time trying to be perfect, you're not only not going to be, you're going to miss the opportunity to even be good. And I think that's a really, uh, you know, really key point.
0: The Navier organization is massive. Brendan, how do you support the variety of mission needs for data analytics across the Navier team?
1: Yeah, you use the word massive. And I think that's spot on because we're really looking at Uh, not only a variety of missions that get done, but then how they use analytics in those missions. So if we were to just for a moment segment what we do into business, engineering capability, and then sustaining, the business side of the house is not going to be necessarily on the cutting edge of, I need to identify new technology that's going to win us the fight. Their role in Data and analytics is very much more standardized. Like, you know what you're doing, but you have a lot of data and you're doing a lot of modeling, but it's very targeted modeling. The the number of outcomes are, I would say, a bit more narrow than if you look at the, the engineering side, where you have a lot of testing and test data that gets generated. And how do you know what test data is going to prove useful in further analytics versus not? So you have to have a strategy that, provides a suite of capabilities to take data that gets generated in testing that you're not sure if you're going to need at some point or not, but can be worked all the way through that program, that platform, whatever, through its sustaining and through the ultimate affordability of it. So again, whether it's financial modeling versus high performance computing that can handle multiple models being run at the same time and advanced simulations. I mean, these are all data and analytics activities. So it's super complicated. But again, the way that you support it is by constant engagement with your stakeholders to understand what they're doing and then working strategically with leadership to say, how do you see all of these things connecting? And where are the gaps? Where would it be helpful to bring information from one stage of that process to another?
2: I think we also want to acknowledge too, along to what Brendan was saying, the maturity levels across the different functional areas are all very different, especially when we talk about a massive organization. There are certain areas that i think we're more mature in whether it be the analytics or even the data collection therefore we can produce more outcomes or more metrics along those lines so when we look at certain areas functionally we are at a different maturity level across the spectrum so i think our best value right now is obviously it's not a one size fits all so how do we accommodate and in my mind we create a very skilled and aware workforce What tools are available to you? What training is available to you? How do you make the most out of what you do have at your fingertips? And then what else is missing? So let's figure out what else is it that we need to make sure you are successful and therefore, again, balancing that maturity of where are you in that analytics process and what maturity level and how do we accommodate that and help you grow from there. So we don't want to just make sure you meet that one goal, but let's help you continue to grow from that point on.
1: And one of the ways that we have to think about supporting our analytics teams is not just understanding the mission that they're trying to address, the questions they're trying to answer, but how they're trying to answer them, right? So. When you think about analytics as a process, you have to collect the right data. You've got to transform it and store it somehow so that it's usable. Then you've got to model it and use data science against it. So you can do some heavy analysis on what it actually is telling you. And then you've got to have links to the business links to the actual mission that can translate the statistical outcome to a meaningful action that can be taken. And so each of those different things that I just mentioned are very different. Yet related skill sets. And not every analytics practitioner has all four or five of those maxed out. So that adds another wrinkle of complication in, which is do I have the full spectrum talent to execute this? You know, that's another way to support. We've talked people, we've talked tools, and of course, then there's the the process side that puts governing boundaries around making sure these things are trusted. So a lot of different ways to support.
0: How would you describe the relationship between data analytics and culture?
1: Yeah, I think it's all about bringing people together to make sure we're operating from the same page. I recently read General Stanley McChrystal's Team of Teams and he talks a lot about team structure. In a military environment, you tend to have this very centralized command structure. Well, as General McChrystal was dealing with some really interesting things in Iraq, the ability to execute decentralized became a massive, massive game changer. And analytics is just like that. If you try to centralize too much, and do everything all in the same place, you are gonna lose the quick mission wins that you might get. But if you do it too decentralized, then you're gonna be duplicating a whole bunch and you're gonna be making the same mistakes over and over again that can be exceptionally costly. So you have to create this essentially networked team that understands not what other teams are doing, but why they're doing it. And so from a cultural perspective, there are common threads that can be found. We're all data scientists despite what we do. We're all visualization experts despite what questions we're trying to answer. So a really great example of this, Amanda Perry, she's part of our data and analytics community of practice and she recognized a need to focus more specifically on visualization experts. So she stood up as part of our community a visualization collaboration group that brings together visualization experts across mission spaces to share best practices, reuse code, which is a massive time saver and put out ways to document best practices and execute data challenges so we can keep our skills sharp and develop as technology changes. And that right there is a perfect example of how analytics and culture, they're right at an intersect because everything we do is driven by people. So it's gotta be linked together.
2: Going along those same lines, Brendan, we need to become a culture of trust. If you know something that you're willing to share with me that I can better how I've done something, that to me is that great. And that's that team of teams and that node connection and that network that we're creating. If we can motivate people to want to help each other, I think overarchingly we'll just be a better culture overall and be able to all grow together versus be in this competition that, well, their team's extremely smart, but if they if they expose what they're doing, somebody else will take it. We have to kind of relinquish that control relinquish that competition mentality to all want to be better because at the end of the day our goal is all the same it's to support the fleet support the warfighter get the aircraft off of the flight line and keep everything moving in the forward direction so if we can tie ourselves back to that mission release that competition from east coast to west coast north to south whatever we want to call it just get rid of that competition and look at we're all in the same fight together
0: So I would love to hear a couple of examples of how you develop data analytics tools for teams and what you learned. Tara, we'll start with you and then head over to Brendan.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So during our community of practice for data and analytics, we've received briefings from different teams across the organization. One of the most recent was probably last spring timeframe. We received a brief from the T45 team that had developed an Amazon Web Services solution. And they came forward said they're doing all this great analytics work and how they're doing it how they're packaging it and it was an extremely useful brief to our data and analytics community and then came forward an mq25 teammate that said hey i need to figure out how to develop this solution And just by nature of that connection and that communication that we've had in the briefings, we were able to tie those two teams together. And now they're in development of that AWS solution for MQ-25 flight test. And so they're off and running. Again, it's that sharing and leveraging of what other folks are doing rather than I do this and I do it in my silo. That horizontal collaboration and really reaching out across all the different network nodes is most important.
1: Tara did a really great job explaining how our ability to connect people who do analytics really leads to some great outcomes. I think when you start to transition to the tool side and the product side, we've been able to support pretty much every element of the command. And one of the best examples that I can give is our partnership and working with the uh, ComFRC. We've built several dashboards that have automated processes for them that have saved several hours and allow for more real-time information to be shared with less man hours spent putting this data together. That's a major win in and of itself. But I think when you then take a step back, and again, we've talked about trusting in the data, with the FRCs being vastly spread out, they were even, in some cases, doing things differently from an analytic approach on the same type of data. So on one project, we got to bring representatives from the different FRCs together to, to then go, okay, if we're going to standardize this into one view for leadership we need to come to an understanding on what are the metrics that we're going to use? What are the formulas that we're going to use to calculate them? And then what's the format that we're going to display them in. And so we're going to have some rules that we agree for our data to be governed by, and then we're going to execute them when we build out our product. So again, whether it's a single dashboard that saves time or a dashboard that integrates several functions together and produces a more trustworthy result. That's, I mean, those are the kinds of victories, the kind of wins that make you go, we're on the right track. We're doing the right thing when it comes to data and analytics in the command.
0: So certainly some great success stories. Now, what about challenges or failures? What have you learned from those? So I think one of
2: the greatest failures I would say we often see is it's not quite the field of dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. We have had certain instances where people find and fully adopt initially, but one of the failures that we see also is that it gets built and then shelved because people don't either make that cultural adaptation to go and start using something different. We are all creatures of habit. We are all love to be in our comfort zone. And some of these leaps into the digital transformation and some of these digital tools is just different different. We've also had another instance where we built um, a dashboard. And again, this was within hours of the request. And then it reverted back to, I like my Excel spreadsheets. And so those are the kind of things, again, it's behavioral. I would say our failures tend to be behavioral. It's not necessarily failures on the process or failures on the tool side. I think, again, it's fault on the people and what we allow ourselves to make the time to learn and really kind of launch out into the environment of something different let's motivate ourselves to learn something different let's motivate ourselves to get out of that comfort zone and that'll kind of help to pull back from those failures if you will
1: yeah and i think that that raises a much larger issue that we see in analytics in the data space which is when you don't get the answer you're expecting is that a failure in a lot of ways you can be discouraged that that happened but with so much data and with kind of the reminder and the frame that data is one component of having awareness to the decisions that you need to make, then nothing's really a failure. Like in the case that Tara mentioned, was it that they didn't want to change to Excel or was that because there was such a time crunch to get this done that changing in that moment would have been a tremendous burden on the people required and would have added additional stress. And so that's a lesson learned on both sides that, yes, we need to be more adaptable and flexible in what tools we use, but we also need to be strategic in when we make these advances and pushes. If there is a time sensitive, I need this done in 48 hours. Maybe that's not the best time to try and put in a new analytic solution that requires learning from everyone, because it's a process to not only understand them what you're looking at, but then how to take action against it. So that's one way I think you look at it, not as a failure, but as an opportunity to rebaseline, right? That moment to get real and get better, which is, yeah, this didn't work on both sides. Let's talk through how we can actually make this happen in the future. And then I think the biggest thing that really can hamper analytics efforts is two things. Why? Like, why am I doing this? Because there's a lot of analytics projects that are super labor intensive. And then when the leader who looks at it goes, oh, that's great. And nothing happens. That can be very, very discouraging, right? So you have to focus on again, tying it back to what's the most meaningful for the leader or the decision maker, and then making sure that the person developing that analytic product can develop something that meets the mark and is impactful in that way.
0: The idea that our behaviors or our inability to be flexible can lead to failure brings me to my next question. What can we do to accelerate progress and motivate teams to harness the full potential of data? So I think we want to tie people back to the value again, right? So everybody wants to
2: understand not the what's in it for me, but what is the, you know, as Brendan mentioned before, the why, how do I tie myself to that? And culturally, it's not always the best to get a top-down pressure, because then sometimes you're just getting the check in the box. We want to make sure that people understand the top-down and bottoms-up has to be a balance. We want to make sure people are understanding and, and kind of forcing themselves into, I see value in this. And I'm okay and willing to make that transformation. And I see value in how my role fits in the process and what the outcome is and how it can actually benefit me. So I feel like we have to spin all of the positives. Is it going to be perfect every single time? Absolutely not. But I really think that there's ways to motivate people in different senses to see how they fit and how they're tied directly to that outcome
1: yeah, just to build on that, it's why do we even need to be making critical decisions in the first place? Is it just because leadership is telling us to? or is it because we're in a great power competition with different different adversaries who are technologically savvy and very centralized in their ability to go out and execute things? So it's not just making the right decision. it's making the right decision at the right time. So that instantly ramps up the pressure on everybody uh, top to bottom, just like you said. But then I think, how do we accelerate that? We have to acknowledge that we're measuring analytics maturity within an organization at several different levels. There's the overall enterprise maturity, which isn't going to move very fast because then underneath that, you've got hundreds of teams who do analytics and have varying levels of maturity. So how do you accelerate those teams? You have to take each part of the organization as a separate entity, work with them on where they're at, and then... The progress that they all make will move the needle at the enterprise level.
0: So what behaviors, when it comes to data, are we going to need to have success?
1: I love this question because I'm a big culture guy and I love the idea of team overall. When I think of analytics, right, I think obviously we've talked about get real, get better, understanding where you're at, understanding where you want to go and how you can get there but one of the things that i think we've hit on before that is a critical behavior is this abundance versus scarcity mindset again competition for resources is tough we all we all know that and it's the environment we live in but when we realize that there are things that we do that we can learn from one another that can all raise the level of everybody that's participating. And again, kudos to Amanda Perry for recognizing an opportunity there. If I can get all of our folks who do visualization to be on the same page about what capabilities do we have and if I don't know, I know exactly where I can go to ask this. That's a huge win and we have a commandful of visualization specialists who can help with any project. And because we're spending the time to develop those relationships, they're more willing to help out, right? And that again goes with that collaboration and trust and developing partnerships and being inclusive of everybody's perspective on the team. So again, I think it's a space where it proves all these behaviors lead to good results and, and lead to positive outcomes. We just have to spread it to more parts of the process and find those champions who are willing to say, you know what, I would like to be a part of this and I'd like to lead that.
2: I'll say, you know, the question of empowerment comes up a lot. So trying to make sure that we're inclusive of everybody's diversity of thought when it comes to the analytic process. I think that's a super important behavior that we need to Listen and learn. We need to make sure that we're listening to our teammates and colleagues. And then also, again, as you mentioned, the partnerships, the collaboration and trust. We need to start trusting that their good ideas actually may weigh in and learn from everybody. Again, creating that horizontal integration across the organization is really most important because we are all doing a very similar thing. It just might have a different mission outcome because of the functional areas to which we're aligned. But if we're all trying to achieve that same mission and align ourselves from a skill set and continue to learn from each other, we are really creating that culture of a winning behavior over and over again.
0: I completely agree. I want to thank both of you for joining us today to talk about the value of data and how we can use data to make decisions, predict behaviors, learn, and drive change across the organization. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can check out other episodes by subscribing to the Airwaves podcast on all your favorite listening apps. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.